I'm Kylie O'Miller, and you're listening to the Going Offsides podcast with Dana Boyle. Welcome to the Going Offsides podcast. I'm your host, Dana Boyle. This week, we got a good friend of mine, Kylie O'Miller, a proud Stony Brook alum. And while playing for the Seawolves, she set a lot of records, including the record for most career points in Division I history with 498 and most career assists with 246, an All-American and a Touraton finalist in 2017 and 2018. And she also plays professional women's lacrosse for Athletes Unlimited, along with bringing home a gold medal for Team USA last year in the World Games. Kylie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Oh, thanks so much for having me, Dana. I'm excited to catch up and excited to be here too. Any lacrosse podcast, I'm a big fan of, so um pumped to be here. We love lax. But before we get into all of that, I have to ask about a special somebody, Oakley, your mini Australian oh, shepherd. How's that little nugget doing? <laughs> He's so good. I wish he could be in this room with me right now, but there'd be some sort of toy squeaking or, you know, bone rubbing up against my leg for his attention. So um yeah he's doing well he's just as wiggly as ever and he's my best friend my two-year two-year-old little Australian shepherd he's pretty famous too I feel like he gets a lot of content on the IG he's yeah he's definitely taken over some of the lacrosse content um that used to take over a lot of my my Instagram but um I just feel like he's much cuter uh so he gets a lot of love but I will say it is um it is another thing that like girls ask me about at clinics or like when I'm traveling, how's Oakley? How, how come I haven't met Oakley yet? So um, yeah, you guys will all meet Oakley eventually as long as he like settles down a little bit. We'll get him out to some clinics and stuff. <laughs> I think the last time you and I talked and we were doing one of these podcasts, he actually jumped on your desk. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> He's yeah, so right. He's got a lot of energy. Uh, they say that those breeds do, um, but he... Yeah, he's just got a personality and that's what I love most about him. You can tell exactly what he's thinking. I know it sounds crazy for all of you non-dog lovers out there, but it's true. Um, so yeah, he's he's my bestie. What's his <laughs> Instagram handle? Oakley the mini Aussie. Okay. But they lied to me because he's not mini. He's six not mini. He's, he's pretty big. <laughs> the breeder told me he'd be mini. He's 65 pounds, but it's okay. We will figure it out. <laughs> He's a cutie. So along with your awesome puppy content, I see you on the training grind, rehabbing your ACL, which you unfortunately tore during the world championship last summer in Towson during the semifinals. You were part of Team USA. You brought home gold. You defeated Canada to become the first host country to win a world championship. For those that don't know, ACL recovery can be anywhere from like nine to 12 months. So how has that journey been for you coming back to training and playing lacrosse? Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, the world championships was like a dream come true. It was something for me personally had been a goal um, that I'd set for myself since I was a junior in college and first tried out for the U.S. team, um, which was in 2017. So making it to 2022 and just being on that stage like that was just an absolute dream, obviously, to get hurt like that. Nobody wants that. But, um, you know, ACL injuries are unfortunately really common in our sport and especially on the women's side. Um, and that I think has been what I've learned the most over the last 10 months is just how many girls younger than me, people older than me, people who have been in my circle, who I didn't even know had a history with an ACL tear, um, who have come to, you know, my side to support me or just, you know, answer a random question I have about, oh, should my quad muscle feel like this at this point? Or should, you know, this feel really strange for me to come back to? 
it's been really great to just kind of bounce ideas off of people and just like kind of share that journey with a lot of different people in my corner. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely been a grind, um, just like anything really has. But at this point in my career, I mean, I'm five years out of college now, um, you know, just kind of, kind of trying to continue to play and play at the highest level for as long as I can. And as long as my body will allow, and this has kind of given me that step back that, um, has given me a new appreciation for the sport and a new appreciation for the level that I play the sport at. Cause I realized that it's a privilege and I realized that, you know, it's not, it's not possible for everyone who graduates college. So for me to be able to come back from this at 26 years old, um, was something that, you know, stayed in the back of my mind. And really kind of motivated me for the last 10 and a half months. And now I'm about a month out from getting back on the field for AU. So I'm just excited. Yeah. And I think even before this ACL injury, getting to know you and having known you over the years, you always have such a good perspective for the game, for life outside the game, for the people around you. And we always talk about it like lacrosse is the people. It's the people that make the place, which is so special, whether you're still playing or you're covering the sport like I am. But Take us through a day in the life of maybe your rehab schedule now that you're back to live play. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, and this is something I talk about a lot, like the beginning, you know, you can't walk, you teach yourself how to walk again, you teach yourself how to squeeze your quad muscle again, like that's something that, you know, you have to work towards. Um, then it, then you get, you know, five, six months out, you know, three, four months out, you start to run in a straight line. And as a jog, you get five, six months out, and you start to figure out how to put enough weight into your leg to maybe cut and plant, you know, in different directions, but really controlled. Um, so yeah, I guess like over the, over the months, there's been different like goals to reach, which has kind of kept me really motivated and, and interested in it. Um, and just kind of waking up and getting after it every single day. So, um, today, actually this week actually, um, marks my last week at my physical therapy place, the Schwartz Institute on Long Island. And, we were joking because I'm one of those people <laughs> for them that were there three hours a day every time I was there. And, um, you know, they'd, they'd open up early for me. They'd really let, they really, really took care of me. Um, they really treated me like a pro, which um, is sometimes hard to come by, unfortunately. So I really appreciated that. We were joking this morning, actually, when I was there that <laughs> I've been there for 155 days in the last <laughs> 11 months. Um, they literally counted it for me and yeah, it was just cool to, you know, at this point, look back and be like, okay, yeah, it felt like a lot some weeks, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing a lot. I'm here for so long. And these exercises feel really monotonous and, you know, X, Y, and Z, like where, when am I going to get back on the field? Um, but just to see that now at the point where I'm at and just be able to know like, okay, that was worth it. Like you're on the field and you're running up and down with the girls that you train with now, um, that it just feels good. But I guess to a long-winded answer of saying I wake up, I have some sort of physical therapy, or I like to call it, um, like I have a lot of habits that I journal about. One of my habits is something towards the comeback at this point used to be every single day PT or some sort of exercises that were just ACL related. Now it's, you know, I got back on the field and I did a three V three, right. That I couldn't do a month ago. So I'm trying to do it more now. Um, or maybe it was, you know, something more related to I got in the recovery boots and that really helped my recovery aspect. So I have like those habits. Um, so I definitely have one of those going every single day. And then I have some sort of training workout every single day. That's, um, around two hours long. Um, and it varies. That's, I think what has helped me over the last couple of years, really stay excited and stay in it at a high level is the variety of training. 
um, whether that looks like an hour long yoga class in the morning and an hour long Peloton ride at night, or the next day it's three hours straight on the field of hardcore sprints and hardcore dodges, whatever it is, kind of going back and forth between a lot of that different stuff. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of the rest of my day is surrounded around answering emails, holding lessons, coaching on the field and kind of keeping our KO 17 athletes up to date, but a lot of different stuff. I think each day looks a little bit different for me. And I think it's important that you share, you know, some of your highs and lows, because for somebody who maybe is going through a similar rehabbing process, you know, it's not all glitz and glam, like it's really hard. And and there are probably days where you maybe journaled, or maybe you felt like, am I ever going to come back from this? Did you, did you have those days? And if you're comfortable sharing, I'd love to hear sort of how you kind of came through that sort of process. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you asking that. Cause I think, you know, especially in a world of social media, we only show the highs a lot of times. I think we've gotten better at a society at showing the lows a little bit, um, just so that we can relate to other people. We realize that other people out there are maybe going through something similar. And again, just kind of knowing that, um, you know, my sister herself, she did her same ACL two times, um, you know, while she was at Stony Brook with me. And um, again, just a lot of friends that I've been able to lean on in terms of like, okay, am I doing this right? Should this feel like this? Should I be thinking like this at this point in time? And um, to answer your question, I mean, I think it's still a question in the back of my head, right? Like I haven't really stepped on the field in the shining lights again yet. Um, and I know that's coming up soon. Um, so I know that, yes, I feel ready physically and mentally. I'm just excited to be there there's always going to be that question in the back of my head of like, am I going to be the same Kylie? Um, am I going to be a new and better Kylie? Am I going to be worse? Um, who knows? And I'm kind of honestly at this point, you know, it used to kind of keep me up at night and stuff like that a couple months back. But um, at this point, I'm just excited to find out. Um, I'm excited to be at the point where I can say, um, you know, I, I, I can be there. And I am fortunate enough to have gotten the contract for this year. And I can be back out on the field with my with my teammates. So um, yeah, I think in terms of that, I think if someone's out there who's going through this and you start to have those kinds of ideas and thoughts, one, lean on the people around you. Um, they most likely have all the right things to say. All the people around me do. Um, and I'm very fortunate. And then two, I think find yourself like working on the little wins is what has helped me through. I like turned around the other day and I looked back and I was like, wow, it's been 10 and a half months since I got surgery. It's been a year since I got hurt. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like it went like this. But then, you know, a couple months back, I was saying, wow, this is dragging along. Right. But I think what made it seem so fast was that I was focusing on week by week. Like, okay, what was I better at this week that didn't feel that great last week or month by month? I wasn't allowed to run last month, but now I'm, you know, running full speed on a treadmill or, you know, stuff like that. Just kind of comparing from your little goals, I think has helped me through a ton. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being vulnerable. I think it's, important regardless if you're recovering from an injury or you're just going about your daily life like we all question like can mm -hmm. we do this like every time I go on tv I'm like can I do this should I be doing this like is this the right career path I think it's important and for you to share that given the platform that you have I think is really impactful so I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing but as if rehabbing wasn't essentially a full-time <laughs> job I know you also run your own business called KO 17 lacrosse that provides lacrosse instruction directly to the consumers. So via an app, which is awesome. And you provide in-person instruction at various levels, you hold camps and clinics, 
And I love your tagline, dream on. So you were busy even when you were rehabbing through your ACL. How did KO17 come to fruition? Yeah, so KO17 lacrosse is my baby. It's what I like to call it. Um, right after college, I graduated in 2018 from Stony Brook. And um, I just, over the years, had fallen in love with this idea of being on a field with a young girl who wanted to learn something, whether that was catching a ball or adding a new dodge or trying to get onto some sort of team at a tryout later in the year. I just loved that consistency of being there and helping them figure something out and like their eyes lighting up when they figured out they could do it. And I just, when I graduated, I started studying business halfway through my college career. And I tried to figure out the best way to turn that into a business. And I was lucky enough to have some, you know, mentors in the space who were starting to do it as well, like Taylor Cummings, right? She was the first to really do it when it comes to, you know, creating your own business and just kind of traveling the country um, and traveling the world, holding events. Um, and just people like that, I kind of looked up to and saw, how is this possible? Is this possible for someone like myself? And I just kind of threw myself into it, created a website, created a logo, um, you know, all that good stuff, held our first clinics in September of 2018. And since then, um, we've kind of just been building the community. The first three years of KO17 Lacrosse was really, you know, myself traveling from place to place to place and working with club teams or youth programs or just holding a clinic in a random area and trying to get people there. Um and what it's done for us is just kind of create this community of people that will come to an event for us. We hope to give them as much value as possible in an hour and a half, two hours, whether that's instruction, advice, inspiration, anything, um, whatever they can take from us in two hours, we're hoping they come back. And that's where the idea of the app came in. Um, we wanted to kind of take this global and we wanted to be it to be something where a girl from California doesn't only have to see us every year and a half when we come out there for an hour and a half, right? It could be something that they can continue to be inspired by, continue to be um, taught and, you know, learn a bunch of different things as they go um, throughout the course of the year. And that's where the idea of the KO17 lacrosse app was, you know, kind of founded. And I've got a great team who kind of put that together for, for me. And we've been able to just continue to add content and add projects to it which have been so much fun and that's where the creative side of me that I've always had has really come in and um yeah it's just been amazing to see like the community that we've been able to build of people who just want to one get better at lacrosse but also like share their experiences about all of it and kind of understand that the you know getting better at lacrosse also means journaling also means maybe some recovery days also means understanding what nutrition is all about and how to fuel your body also means you know the whole holistic ideal approach to becoming the most elite athlete that you can be is what we try to preach um is what we try to share and it's been really great to be able to do it with some of my closest friends when i look at your content taylor cummings charlotte north to me the word that stands out is empower like, yes, you're developing, you know, lacrosse players, which is really important, but also young women. And I think about my experience, like when I was growing up, like lacrosse wasn't really on TV. So I didn't have mentors or athletes that I looked up to in the lacrosse space. It was basketball for me. And so for young girls that I interact with when I'm traveling around the country, they wear your jerseys. Like they're wearing a Kylie O'Miller jersey and they're wearing a Charlotte North jersey and Taylor Cummings. And that is so important. So I love the marriage that you have between lacrosse and developing the person. I think it's just so impactful and so important. And that to me is how our sport is gonna grow 
in the right direction and grow for a really long time. So I'm I'm so excited about that. I love following your content. Is there a time when you were developing the business or even now that was sort of a challenge for you? Yeah, I will say, I mean, this past year has definitely been a challenge just because the first, you know, three to four years of it, a lot of the hands-on and a lot of the travel and a lot of the being at events and really making sure everything runs the right way is me, right? So when I get hurt and I can't physically be there and I can't physically travel and I can't, you know, physically do the things that one are really impactful to our program and to the people who, you know, know KO17 lacrosse, but also, you know, helps us generate revenue, right? And keeps the business going to two points. It was a really big question of like, okay, this is kind of like a blessing in disguise because I've been kind of contemplating the last couple of years, how can I make this something that lasts forever? How can this, you know, not be something that was just a five-year plan and then, okay, on to the next thing for Kylie. Like how can KO17 lacrosse live on? Um, And I think this injury was, again, just like a blessing in disguise and saying, Kylie, you have to sit down. How is KO17 lacrosse going to continue? And we were able to do that by bringing on 11 KO17 athletes. So for us, the NIL deals was a huge, huge thing for us because we realized that the players who had been a part of our community for the last couple of years or who were really impacted by our community in some sort of way over the last couple of years, they want more to do with it, right? They want to learn how to coach. They want to learn how to brand themselves. They want to learn how to, you know, do a little bit of what we do through KO17 Lacrosse. And, um, you know, with those NIL deals, we've been able to sign, again, like I said, 11 athletes who are all either committed to play Division One or are playing Division One college, right? College lacrosse right now. Um, and are just total rock stars, right? Like they take the whole values and missions of everything that KO17 lacrosse is and that I hope to, to instill in them and players like them over the years. And they've taken it on as their own. Um, you know, now these athletes hold, you know, weekly group sessions for us with people from their community in local areas. Um, they hold their own back home clinics. So every single athlete is holding their own clinic where they're headlining it. They're making all the profits of everything. Um, and they are just kind of representing KO17 lacrosse while they give back to their community. Um, they, you know, create pa- video packages on our app where they get to kind of showcase their own drills. And, you know, not all of their experiences are the same as mine. And um, that's what I'm kind of trying to empower in this next generation of KO17 athletes and, you know, eventual KO17 coaches that can continue to build their own brands while also just taking the values of what we do uh, along with them. Um, and it's been really successful. It's been really fun to do as well. That's awesome. What have you learned from them? Oh gosh. Um, those girls keep me in it every day. Um, seriously, I, it's, it's funny because a lot of people ask me about my training number one, and then they ask me about KO 17 lacrosse and, you know, two of the questions you've asked me so far. And so much of it is, is intertwined. Um, the girls that I have as athletes and, and beyond, um, are the girls that I get out on the field with every week. They're the girls who I strap up and play 3v3 with. And yes, they might be playing at, um, at Monmouth and Hopkins and Virginia Tech and all these players, but, and then we're all going to go off and do our own things, right? Like I'll be in AU this summer and then they're going to go back to fall ball, but we push each other and there's no age gap. There's no, there's no differences there. It's just, um, you know, I, I answered that like that. I reacted to that like that because they have given me so much more than I could ever give them. 
Um, and sometimes they don't realize that, right? Because it's just um, part of how it goes, but they really have provided for me in a way that keeps me one on the field in the same way that I can be. And two, have just taught me how to mentor girls that have all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different upbringings, all sorts of different journeys and stories in front of them. Um, and how can I, you know, instill our values in them, but also let them be themselves um, and grow at the same time. So yeah, I think they've given me so much more than they can ever know. The people, I'm telling you, it's the <laughs> place in this sport. I feel the very same way when I get to cover all these amazing athletes, especially in the women's game, you sit down and have a chance to talk to them and I'm blown away, blown yeah. away by not really just what they can do on the lacrosse field, but like all of the other extracurriculars that they're doing. Some of them are going to be biologists mm -hmm. and leaders of our country. And it's just, it's important to invest in those people. And they give me so much more back than I could ever give them telling their stories. It's just it's really rewarding. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're having a very similar experience, but yes. transitioning to athletes unlimited mm -hmm. starts July 20th. It is 56 of the best women playing around the world short form. It's fast paced. It's 10 minute quarters. It's 10 B 10. I love it. It's so intense. It's so physical. What are you most looking forward to other than stepping on the field again for the first time? Yeah, I'm obviously looking forward to that. I think it's been a long year. Um, so I'm excited to, you know, put the eye black back on, you know, put a jersey back on, step out on the field. And um, yeah, I mean, the game itself is really fast paced. It's like, you know, kind of like what you're seeing in the PLL right now. There's a Sports Center top 10, you know, highlight every weekend. It's going to be the same for AU. Um, you know, everybody's sticks are insane. Um, you know, everybody has such a fun time out there, too. Um, like playing back in 2021, I obviously missed last summer. So playing back in 2021, it was just, you know, obviously there's competition. That's what I love about it. Like everybody's so competitive at that level, but the competitiveness turns into like almost like backyard ball, you know, everyone's friends and off the fields and everyone learns so much about each other off the field too, because we do live together for those five weeks we're together, right? So you learn so much about players that you might've played against or you might've coached one day, right? Like I'm getting towards that age where, <laughs> where I'm actually a little bit older, um, not one of the new guys anymore. So yeah, I think it's just really cool to see people in a different light and then be able to get out on the field and either compete with them or compete against them and see how they are as competitors but also as teammates, right? Um, you just wouldn't get that opportunity. So again, I guess a lot of my theme is going back to the people. I'm really excited to be back around the people. I think when you get to professional lacrosse as compared to college lacrosse, like college lacrosse, you're surrounded by your people for 24 hours a day, pretty much. And you graduate and it's the complete opposite. And if you continue to play like myself, a lot of the journey is very lonely until you get back to those weekends. Do you get back to game day? Do you get back to AU? Do you get back to a Team USA training weekend? And they're rare, right? So, um, you know, I just kind of value that and I'm excited for that. And I'm also just excited to, yeah, have the ball in my stick again and just like play lacrosse and, you know, be around really, really great people. I'm excited to watch the fancy finishes when you <laughs> dance around the crease and somehow, some way find a window when there isn't one. Uh, sometimes no angle. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. I love AU because it's so fun to watch players that play on the same college team go against each other. Like I always do a double take. I'm like you and Allie Kennedy, like you're on opposite teams. Like that seems wrong to me. Yeah. Like that's, that's not right. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole draft aspect of it is so fun too, right? Like by the time you, this happened our first year, like you would draft based on what kind of positions you would need and maybe some friends here and there. But like, by the time you get to the last weekend, you're like, okay, I just want my friends on my team. And you, you know, you draft your friends and you draft your college teammates. And it's just really cool to see, like, like you said, who works well together and then just kind of see that mix up every single week. I think it's really fun for fans and viewers to keep up with is like, okay, who, who's on what team this week and and why, and what happened. And, you know, just kind of like mixing it up like that has been, it's really fun to follow. And too, like stylistically, there are colleges that play differently. And it was really interesting to me the first year that the league launched to have players from different teams who really have different styles based on the coaches play on the same team and mesh. Like you would have never thought they had, you know, a week of a training camp. That to me speaks to like the skill level. And I was actually, we were both in Columbus this weekend, yet we did not cross paths. (laughs) busy. We had a bunch of things going on, but I was talking to some of the PLL coaches and they were asking about the women's college season. And we talked about AU and I spoke to maybe three or four of them. And they all, without a doubt said the finesse level of women's lacrosse is next level. And one of them even said, I won't name names, but he was like, our guys had to have a women's stick in their hands. It'd be game over game over. So they're also big fans of the women's game, which I always appreciate how much the PLL is invested in the women's game, but you were in Columbus. I was, yes. Or a diehard water dogs fan. Your boyfriend, <laughs> Rylan, plays for the dogs. He does. Were you okay during that game? Because no. that was insane. <laughs> no, honestly, and they like to do this too. And so many of the PLL games are just so much fun to watch. I, I'm, I'm a lax rat at heart. Like if games are on, I'm watching them, whether I know somebody or not. And fortunate enough, lacrosse is a small world. So I know a lot of people now. Um, who play for all these teams and yes obviously I know Ryland um, a little bit better than I know everybody else so he um, I'll watch all the water dogs games I'll be watching team Canada and the upcoming world championships Um, but yeah I mean that game was insane ended up what 1918 and um, they were down six nothing in the first quarter I mean it was it was just one for the books right like it was just one of those games that like they'll think back as players 20 years from now and be like remember that game in Columbus where we came back from a six nothing, you know like and as fans we'll also remember so um yeah it was I was not okay during the game um it was so back and forth just like they like to do that though they like to keep you on your toes <laughs> yeah I asked coach Copeland I was like where does this rank amongst your wins and he basically said I haven't seen anything like this I mean they literally were down 5-0 mm-hmm. after the first quarter and then two six goal deficits at different points throughout the game. Like, I don't want to say they shouldn't have won the game, but like statistically, yeah, they shouldn't have won the game. And Trevor went, you know, what, 31 for 36, something like crazy like that. Yes. But yeah. Um, yeah. But I love that. I love not. that because yeah. that's where the face-off stat can be really misleading. Like mm-hmm. you can win the face-off, but what are you doing with it after you get it? Right. And that, you know, I'm obviously, again, I'm biased. Ryland's on the defensive end of the field, but like they have such a strong defense and, you know, all teams do in the PLL, but they really like, I really enjoyed watching them play last summer when they won the championship. You could tell, and that's kind of rare in professional sports. Sometimes you to find a team that you can tell as just a bystander, they really care about each other. You know what I mean? And I said that last year, and I think the same thing about this group this year, like you could tell they just like have each other's backs and, you know, if they go down six goals, they, they don't even look like distraught, frazzled. There's no, I was. 
Yeah, I, was, I, was and I have no vested interest. It doesn't matter to me, like really, who wins or who loses. But <laughs> I was like emotionally, it was a roller coaster for me. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's cool to see that because I watch it as half, obviously, um, a supportive girlfriend, and then I watch it also as just like a lacrosse player myself. So half of my game is what like analyzing it, half of the game. Um, and I just think it's cool to watch athletes like that. Like I've always loved watching other sports for this as well, but just to see them in moments like that, calm, cool, and collected, you know, like no pressure, no situations are getting to them. And you could see the tempers flaring or anything like that. Like I've always been like, so interested in, okay, how can I add that to my game in certain like characteristic traits? And I just saw a lot of that in that game. So it was cool. Skill-wise, when you watch the PLL, is there anything that jumps out to you that maybe you try and use as an attacker? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even in college, um, my college coach, Joe Spolino, was also an MLL coach at the time. He was the coach of the Lizards. So um, we actually watched a lot of Rob Pinnell's highlights together when he was trying to explain to me, like, especially, you know, the transition, a lot of people ask about this, right? The transition from high school to college lacrosse especially on the women's side high school defenders don't necessarily come behind the crease at all I'm an ex-attacker right so they don't come behind the crease they can't go through the crease so there's a bunch of differences the second you step onto a field as a freshman attacker when you have a senior defender who's been playing this game for three years longer than you have sprinting out at you on the end line and then can run through the crease as well that's maybe three more dodges before you even get to goal line extended than you're used to um, in your entire career. So again, just kind of going back to like freshman, sophomore year, we watched so much of Rob Pinnell's highlights of just kind of understanding the angles of what his defender was doing behind the crease in order to not only get to the cage, but also facilitate. Um, so I think I see a lot of that in terms of just like the pressure behind the cage. Um, and then just also understanding a lot of you know, the two-man game and um, stuff like that. I think I've added a lot into my game over the, the last two or three years. Um, but yeah, again, I just kind of watch it as a student and I watch, you know, oh, that that was really insane how he did that or, oh, that that's actually an interesting up pick. Maybe that's something like we can add in, uh, especially, you know, on the AU side of things and internationally. So the two places that I play now, we play 6v6 uh, on offense. So it's very similar in terms of like strategy. Um, obviously without a little bit of the extra contact, but, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of like similarities in terms of that, that I definitely try to watch and learn from. So this may be controversial, but how do you feel about the proposed rule changes in the college women's game? I like the six V six because I've watched it in international play and with the PLL, how do you feel? I agree. I like the six V six. I think it adds for more room. Um, but I'm also an offensive minded person, right? So on offense, I've seen how many benefits there are, um, in terms of defensively, I think like it'll hurt zone teams. I think it's a whole different structure thing. Um, and then I also think on the other side of the negatives is like, that's taking away, you know, a starting spot for every single college team out there. Um, but my kind of like rebuttal to that is hopefully that just allows for more more teams and more programs to start up teams where these kids can go and play right um, on the women's side. So um, I'm hoping that eventually, like, you know, if it does kind of go through, it will at least one positive, it'll at least have a little bit of consistency across the board from those for those players who will play 
college to pro to international, there'll be a little bit more consistency because right now we're playing a little bit of like five different versions of the game. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of consistency, it's great. I think offensively, I think there's spacing that's fantastic for strategy. Um, but there's obviously the negatives to it too. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And I do think the point to you being an attacker, so obviously it benefits attackers more space, so harder for defenders to cover the ground. But to me, I look at defenses now in the women's game and these players are so much more athletic than when I played 10 years ago, insane athletes, faster, stronger, just overall better. So I would love to see that challenge, but I do understand the negative sides of it for sure. But I agree with you. There needs to be some consistency. Like think about the high school game and the youth game. Like we're playing so many different versions of the game that I, I guess I look at it from like a TV perspective. Like if we want to grow in terms of like coverage, like you can't turn the TV on and be confused because the whistle is blowing 300 times and I'm calling a game and I, I don't even know what's, I'm like, why did they call the whistle? And I'm not like, that's not me slamming the officials. No, they have yeah. a hard job. Our rules don't cater to them being set up for success. But I think if it's less about making the women's game like the men's game, and it's more just about making it digestible in general. Yes, I agree. I think that's the biggest misconception is like, oh, it's turning into the men's game. It's turning into the men's game. And it's not, it won't, you know, there's, there's no reason why, unless you put us in pads, helmets, and give us sticks with oh. bagged out, bagged out pockets, we won't be playing the men's game. Um, to your point, I think, yes, like athletes are getting bigger, faster, stronger, um, way more athletic. And that's because women's lacrosse is finally at the level that all other sports have been at on the women's side for a while now. And it's like, okay, now they're actually putting in the work to be that athletic, be that strong, be that fast. Let's let them be that. Um, and let's support that as we go through. So yeah, obviously I think with a bunch of different things in mind, there's going to be negatives and positives, but having consistency across the board will definitely help the exposure. You are the best, Kylie. Thank you so much for the conversation. Don't forget, Kylie's playing in Athletes Unlimited. It starts July 20th. Check it out. It's on ESPN Networks. Kylie, I will see you at some point this summer. 